Team, welcome to the Freedom Hunt. Great to have you here for the Buck Sexton podcast. Another week in Nashville. Looking forward to being back in my hometown at NYC starting on Monday. So we'll be uh, we'll be with you all next week, although I think we will take off for the, well, we'll see if July 5th we have a show or not. But the stories we're going to hit today, uh, Trump's visit to Biden's border, Delta variant misinformation spreading, Charges brought against the Trump Organization by the Manhattan DA and the shock verdict overturning, if that's a thing, of the Bill Cosby case here. The the verdict uh, overturned, uh, the conviction vacated, big, big stuff there. So we'll get into all of that in just a moment. But first, I am trading every day now. And the way I'm doing it is with assistance from my friends at Carnivore. Because if you're like me, you want to get in on this market. I mean, even with the crazy government spending that's going on and inflation coming, there's still a lot of money to be made. And you're seeing the market hitting all-time highs just this week. You know, Wall Street wants you to think that you can't do this stuff. But there are real people out there making 30%, 50%, even 100% a year trading stocks with their own money. And it's with Carnivore Trading's help. Carnivore Trading is an elite team of Wall Street strategists. They're totally anonymous, and they're legends among Wall Street heavy hitters, and they've gone a little bit rogue. They're allowing everyday folks to see and mirror their explosive trades. Sound uh, too good to be true? Well, try this. Carnivore will let you see the trades they're making right now for free. Just go to this website, getourtrades.com, and use promo code BUCK to get two weeks free. And if you join, Carnivore guarantees you'll get five times your subscription fee or double your money back. Go to GetOurTrades.com, promo code BUCK. That's GetOurTrades.com, promo code BUCK. See website for guaranteed terms and conditions. Past performance, not a guarantee of future earnings. Trump at the border, everybody. It was everything that I'm sure we thought it would be or that I thought it would be. And here's what he had to say about it. Play one. Uh, We made deals with Mexico and we made deals with Honduras and Guatemala and El Salvador. And I told the story just before. I don't want to bore you with it, but most of you weren't around that roundtable. You know, I say all Biden had to do is go to the beach. If he would have just done nothing, we would have now the strongest border we've ever had. It was even getting better and better and better because it was all kicking in. He's right that the policies that they put in place at the border had made it so that it was the best that it had been in a long time. I mean, he, he's correct when he says that they had essentially figured this out. They, they had made the necessary adjustments to the border, and it was more secure than it had been in a very long time. Biden administration comes in because they have this obsession with identity politics and because they want more Democrat voters to be imported into the country. They come in and they decide to get rid of the remain in Mexico policy. And there were other aspects of this too, other components of the border. I mean, you just think about enforcement. You think about the different ways that you can either turn the pressure on or turn the pressure off illegal crossing into this country. And the Biden administration just took the position of, well, let's, let's be as, as loose as possible at the border. Let's make this as easy as possible And guess what? No surprise. It meant that there were enormous 
surges and still ongoing to, to this day of people who were showing up and they weren't just coming because, oh, they had heard something. No, they're paying off cartel members. They're being smuggled into the country. I mean, this is a very, a very active, uh, very active process on their part. And there's planning that goes into it, right? The illegal crossings into this country require not just people that are leaving their home country. And in many cases, they're on foot, not the whole way. People who say they're on foot. They, they take some buses, some trains. They're on foot for part of it. Uh, but also paying off the cartels and being brought to the border. Democrats know this is happening. And here's the part of it that I wish Republicans would just hit a lot harder. And this is where we need a Trump. This is where we need somebody who will just say it. Just say what's really happening. And that's very clear to anyone who's paying attention right now. Democrats don't want this to stop. They don't want it to stop. In fact, they're doing things that make it even easier for people to show up. They're saying, oh, no, don't come, don't come. I mean, we're not going to do interior enforcement. We're going to remember they, they tried a 100 day pause on on all deportations. I mean, what, what could be a more clear sign from a new administration that they are favorable to illegal immigration than announcing at the very beginning a hundred day pause on immigration? I mean, what else could you re- illegal immigration? What else could you really say? I mean, Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick is is addressing the fact that Democrats want to cut CBP funds. They want to cut Customs and Border Patrol funds, make it even harder. Defund, in a sense, CBP. Play three. These people, I I don't know how to say anything other than this. These people are just crazy. I mean, to think that we have two million that we're going to apprehend this year crossing the border compared to about 400,000 last year, and they want to cut Border Patrol and ICE, they've already pretty much handcuffed themselves behind the back by not letting them do anything. I mean, basically right now, ICE cannot do a lot. Border Patrol has taken up all their time. The reason we're backing them up for security is because Border Patrol is just checking people into the country, and now they want to cut that. These are the same people that, that are defunding police around the country, not Republicans, by the way. It's the Democrats who are doing this. So at a time when crime is up, and a lot of the crime that's up, by the way, is by illegal immigrants who cross the border, not all, but many. We've apprehended over 1,200 people with serious backgrounds, murders, uh, sexual offenses, child molesters. That's just some of the people we've caught. And people are coming also, mostly, excuse me, mostly from Central America, but we catch them from Syria, from Romania, from China. How are they getting here? Why are they coming here? Uh, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. And remember, when we catch Mm -hmm. two million, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, Dan, remember, when we catch two million, probably another two million are getting by that we don't catch. What he says there is also true. There's an enormous number that we're not even counting in the official numbers. What you keep seeing whenever it's reported on, which is rarely, is apprehensions at the border. People taken into custody, and in many cases, they are surrenders. So that's when a family unit shows up at the U.S.-Mexico border, waves and says, hey, here I am. Now, please uh, get me my get me some water and a sandwich and process me and let me into the American interior because I know how your system works because the cartels Uh, smugglers, the coyotes have trained me. That's the number that you're seeing. The number you don't see, and even if you saw it, it wouldn't be clear on how many people were involved. The the number you don't see is uh, all those who get into the country, they're called gotaways, but who just make it in. 
And do you think it's hard to make it into America right now? It's probably easier to cross into America illegally now than at any point in the last 20 years. And if you're smart about it, all you do is wait for you find out and they are they are smart about this. They are coordinating. You wait for a large group of children to or, or family units, which is, you know, adults with children to show up and to surrender themselves. And then a mile down the border, maybe at the Rio Grande or wherever you just go, you make a run for it because Border Patrol resources will be concentrated in that place at that time where the children are, are uh, the family units are surrendering. And so you'll have a very it's very unlikely they'll even have anyone, even if they saw you, which they maybe don't. Even if they knew you were crossing illegally, they can't get anyone there. And I mean, think about this. Once a person makes it into an American city or a a, a pretty densely populated area, which in a lot of the major crossings, you look at places, whether it's uh, McAllen or or San Diego or El Paso or, you know, you look at these places and it's very easy. I mean, you, you just blend in, right? I mean, there's no way you're going to get caught if you can just make it into a, you know, you make it into a big box store or something. You just run through the parking lot. You go in the store. Now you're home free. You're good. They're never going to be able to figure out who you are and, and, and make that arrest. So it, it's just crazy what's happening at the border. It really is. And it needs to be much more of a focus of Republican politicians and they have to do, yes, I understand we're sending, you know, some governors, uh, what, Christy Nome from uh, South Dakota, uh, still annoyed about her not signing the transgender bill. But anyway, and Ron DeSantis of Florida and others, they've sent uh, they've sent some National Guard troops to try to help reinforce our southern border. But when you really when you really look at it and you look at the situation, what we need is more data. And this is where having a better understanding of the situation really matters. We keep thinking if we send more personnel, yeah, that'll help a little bit. But most of the people who are coming across the border aren't trying to hide. So a wall and additional resources would be useful, but it by no means would stop the problem. It wouldn't even stop a majority of the illegal crossing. Far from it. So that's what we're actually dealing with. And, and I just I feel like this needs to become a rallying cry for Republicans of the lawlessness and just the erosion of national sovereignty that's happening at our border. Why have an immigration system if we're going to allow it to be made such a mockery of why, why even have it? Why go through all the nonsense of an immigration system if we're just going to let people come into the country? All right. And then there's Dr. Fouch. The Fouch is out there. Have you missed him? Do you wonder where he is? He misses you. He hasn't been able to, you know, go on television and tell you that you have to wear a mask with another mask and maybe wrap wrap your head in a few towels and then make sure that it's wet because the humidity will prevent the droplets. You know, you get, you get the whole thing, right? This is... This guy is a nightmare. I asked President Trump earlier this week, I said, do you wish you had fired him? Now, Trump claimed to me in the interview, he claimed that uh, that he had done everything in the opposite of what Fauci had said. And I, that's now maybe there was stuff that was said behind closed doors that I don't know about. 
But they certainly presented a pretty united front, at least in the beginning. So, look, I'm I'm big on let's be honest about all this. I'm, I'm big on let's tell the truth about all this stuff. And I think there was clearly a united front in that early, early phase. And it makes it hard to believe that there wasn't a little too much listening to the Fouch. I'm just set. I, I've been worried about this all along. I think there was too much listening to Fauci. I mean... He's going to go on. Anyway, here he is right now telling you, don't worry right now. I'm here to say things uh, that are very obvious that you should already know, like things are better, better, B-E-T-T-U-H, better. Play eight. In general, Joe, we're doing very, very well. I mean, if you look at the implementation of the vaccine program, more than 50 percent of the adults in the country are fully vaccinated, about 66, 67 percent of adults have at least one dose. And importantly, among the elderly, the most vulnerable, more than 80 percent have received at least one dose. The cases themselves, the hospitalizations, the deaths, as the country on a whole is doing extremely well. So we're really very fortunate that we have vaccines that not only in the clinical trials, Joe, but actually in the real world setting have been shown to be highly effective and safe, even against this very troublesome Delta variant. Now, since this is a big country with a lot of states, as you know, there are several states, particularly some, excuse me, concentrated in the southern areas that are under vaccinated. Instead of having 70 percent or more of the adults vaccinated, they're down to 35 percent or so. That's the problem. So if you're not vaccinated, you're at considerable risk. If you are vaccinated, you're in rather good shape. You know, so get your vaccination because of the Delta variant. Uh, Biden put out a tweet earlier today suggesting the Delta variant is more lethal. Uh, Turns out that's that's not true. It's certainly not proven to be true. But it seems that about every three months, if, if you were to go, you could almost set your watch to it. Every three months for the last year, we've been told, Oh, there's a variant, right? Remember the South African variant, the UK variant? Uh, I think, was there a Brazil variant? I mean, there were all these variants with droplets, and they would they would spread, and we'd be told, oh, my gosh, and will, it, will the vaccine work against this one? Will the vaccine work against this one? They've tapped into so much hysteria in the general population, and now it's like they can't – I'm not even sure, and this is something that I've been thinking about for a while – I'm not even sure that the Democrats could turn off the crazy if they wanted to at this point. I'm not even it's not even clear to me that even if the Democrats all of a sudden decided that they were in a place to um, that they, they wanted to get people to be rational and normal about covid instead of constantly freaking out. I don't know if they could get them to do it. I, I still think there's a little a little too much for them on the uh, there's, there's just they were too effective in getting people to freak out beyond, I mean, it was just insane, as you all know. I've been talking to you about it forever. Um, and and I'm worried here that we're going to enter this phase where you're going to see the return of some of these lockdown policies and all the rest of it. So we have to fight against it. Is Joe Biden missing a step? Is Joe Biden missing many steps? Is he missing some marbles? He likes to do this thing. He did it again this week. He did it last week. He did it again where he goes, I'm, I'm whispering loud. 
into a microphone. Hey folks, I'm your crazy old grandpa, but my name is Joe Biden. Here he is, doing the weird whisper thing again, play six. You're making the minimum wage or you're making twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars a year. And people say, well, that's a giveaway. Hey guys, I think it's time to give ordinary people a tax break. The wealthy are doing fine. I mean it. I mean it. Why is this not a tax break for working folks when the stuff we give to the super wealthy are called tax breaks? Look, major action on clean energy, housing, caregiving, on child and paid leave, universal pre-K, free community college. The human infrastructure is intertwined with our physical infrastructure. It's going to help us create more good jobs, ease the burden of working families, and strengthen our economy in the long run. I think it's time to give people a tax break. You know, first of all, one of my many rules is, you know, you can never, you could add this to the list, never trust politicians when they say they're doing something for the children, right? That's a classic Nancy Pelosi. It says we're going to pass this for the children. You know, that's a classic Pelosi maneuver. You can never trust them. But you also can never, ever trust a politician who starts dropping the G on words working and, and saying folks, working folks, you know, the working folks out there, you know, yeah, just go into the assembly line, go into the plant out in Scranton with the lunch pail. That's the backbone of America, folks, working folks like that. Joe Biden has a three or four million dollar mansion in an upper class part of Delaware and was renting a twenty thousand dollar a month house when he was a senator in D.C. Okay, so Joe Biden is not one of working folks. But it's all a charade. That's the one thing you got to say about about Trump that was so refreshing was he was a he was a. A, br- a billionaire. Remember how often they said brash billionaire? That was the most abused alliteration. See what I did there of the entire uh, of the entire Trump presidency. But he was a billionaire who he didn't have to tell working class working folks. He didn't have to tell them that he liked them. They knew working class people just do cops, firefighters, construction workers, truck drivers, just. Folks doing a job, right? This is just Americans doing jobs. They know that Trump just Trump likes them. Trump likes people. And it's not some it's not some big act, uh, whether whether he's talking about somebody who's, you know, putting up drywall or somebody who's flying Blackhawks. You know, Trump has respect for those folks or he just has an affinity for them. Maybe is a better way of saying it. And, you know, Joe Biden, these Democrats, they're they're elitists. They're true elitists. They actually look down on a lot of that stuff. You know, oh, maybe maybe you should have gotten a master's in, in gender studies or something. And, you know, you, you wouldn't have to work with your hands. It's just true. There is a feeling among Democrats about that. They really believe this. And uh, speaking of Democrat elitism. Obama out in uh, out in the scene these days, making sure that we all know that we should be worried, worried that Republicans believe Trump's misinformation. Play clip two. But to see not only a riot 
in the Capitol uh, around what historically had been a routine process of certifying an election. Um, but to know that uh, one of our two major political parties, a strong majority of people in those parties uh, actually believed that uh, in a falsehood uh, about those election results, the degree to which uh, misinformation is now disseminated at warp speed uh, in coordinated ways that we haven't seen before. Um, and that the guardrails I thought were in place around many of our democratic institutions uh, really depend on the two parties agreeing to those ground rules, those guardrails, and that one of them right now doesn't seem as committed to them uh, as in previous generations. That worries me. Uh, and I think we should all be worried. Now, let's just all be quite clear about this. Um, the Democrats spent four years lying about President Trump cheating in the election. And they didn't just lie about it. It, w it wasn't just a media story. They used the Department of Justice for a sham special counsel investigation. It was the biggest news story in the left wing corporate media for years. They went all out on a campaign of defamation and destruction against Donald Trump. And why? Why? Because he did. Did he actually collude with Russia? No, because they're sore losers. They're babies and they hate him and they couldn't handle it. So why should we now sit around and actually listen to these Democrats when they want to lecture us on this? Why should we feel the need to sit around and pretend like we, we have to give them any standing to tell us about this. It's it's outrageous. It really is. I know it broke yesterday, but I didn't get a chance to talk to you about it on this podcast. So I wanted to the big uh, Bill Cosby case news. And sure enough, they they have thrown out his conviction. The, the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania has thrown out Bill Cosby's conviction. And they've also barred future charges in the state of Pennsylvania against him based on the charges that were. So it's not like they're going to go for a retrial. They've said that he, he is a he is a free man and he will not at least he will not be serving prison time in Pennsylvania, at least for what he had been serving time for a couple of years at this point uh, of his sentence already served. And this is there's there's a lesson here. Now, let me be very clear about this. I think Bill Cosby did bad stuff to women, and and I think that the allegations against him are uh, are likely to be true. But I, I didn't follow the case that closely at the time. Quite honestly, I had other things that I just thought were more more pressing in the news cycle. But one thing I do remember is how is it that they're going to convict this guy when there's no way based on how many years had passed, there's no way they had any forensic evidence, they had any, you know, anything to bring to bear other than you know, a he said, she said situation, ah, except for this deposition. Now, who in a civil trial would sit for a deposition and say things that would be incriminating Remember, civil trial is financial penalties. In criminal trial, you go to prison, take away your freedom. Who's going to say something in a civil deposition 
that could jeopardize their actual uh, freedom that could send them to prison unless they had been told, unless there was some kind of a deal in place where they were told they would not be prosecuted for what they said in the deposition. I, I, I think it's pretty straightforward. You know, I think it's pretty clear that that's the only circumstance in which you, you would do that, right? If you have, this is like, why would you sit there? A, a well-advised defendant never pleads guilty until they at least try to strike a deal with the, prosec- with the prosecution. But imagine if the prosecution in a criminal case could say, all right, plead guilty. And as part of that, you know, we need you to tell us all of your co-conspirators, tell us everything that you did. And, and you'll get a reduced sentence. And then when it comes time uh, for that situation to play out, the prosecution says, oh, you know what? We've got this really nice confession that you've signed now and you've admitted to all this stuff. So actually, we're going to give you the max. We're going to give you life in prison. Now, at some level, you could say, well, that seems like that seems like justice, right? Because if a person is really guilty, yeah, they would have lied to them to get them to admit the guilty, the, the guilt their guilt. Um, But you understand, we all understand that if our system cannot be trusted, then it all falls apart. If our system can't be uh, can't be taken at its word, right, when the court or when the prosecutor's office gives their word on something that has to be held to account, there has to be meaning in that. And for a prosecutor to say we are not going to prosecute Bill Cosby because we do not believe that uh, that that we could win that case. Um, so and as a result, now he he can feel free to speak and cannot plead the fifth to avoid self-incrimination because you can't plead the fifth in a civil deposition. Um, if there are criminal charges that are hanging over that, you could you could obviously uh, you could obviously contest it. But they said, no, no, don't worry about it. Basically, you, you're we're not going to prosecute you. So you have to speak at your deposition. And then the next prosecutor came along and used those uh, that deposition as evidence against him. Now, I understand in a sense you could say, well, aren't we just aren't we just tricking a guilty person into, into proving their guilt? Yeah, but the court or the prosecutor can't do that. So while it may feel very strange to people that that there's a guy here with Bill Cosby who I mean, I think. I don't know anyone who doesn't believe that Bill Cosby was was drugging women who follows this case closely. I mean, the, the, the issue perhaps you could raise is, well, was there some level of, uh, you know, was were, were they aware of it or whatever Bill Cosby's defense is, right? Like they were taking drugs together and then they had regret afterwards. I mean, I, I don't know what his defense is, but the point is uh, he he was doing stuff that certainly sounds like. It was it was you using quaaludes in, in place of like Rohypnol, the date rape drug. And, you know, this is something that he was doing. It's a really, really awful, heinous thing. And Bill Cosby, I've heard people say that he was a terrible guy uh, in person, that he was a really nasty person. But he was it's remarkable. You think about how beloved he was all across America. I mean, he was like America's dad for a long time. So this is quite a fall from grace, the whole thing. Um, but. If the, uh, you know, the this Pennsylvania State Supreme Court, trust me, they, they weren't looking to be on the Cosby side of this, but it ended up being pretty clear. You simply cannot have the court lying 
you cannot have the court lying or prosecutors lying. They cannot give their word. Um, so I just think I think it's important here. Bruce Castor in 2005 declined to criminally prosecute Cosby. He got a civil conviction and made Cosby sit for four days of deposition. Castor agreed, this is all from the Daily Mail, to a deal with Cosby, declining to prosecute in exchange for his cooperation in the civil case. Uh, Castor's successor as district attorney, Kevin Steele, pressed charges against Cosby in December 2015 within a month of taking office. And the Pennsylvania Supreme Court has said that Steele was wrong to have gone against Castor's agreement with Cosby. It agreed that Castor signed press release sufficed as a guarantee made on made on behalf of the county he served as prosecutor. The word of the state has to matter or else the state cannot do justice, cannot dispense justice. That's what this comes down to. So you have that story. And and then we have also the uh, Trump organization being prosecuted, which I'll get to in a second. But I, I, I got to tell you, with each passing day, I feel more and more like we're just living in this massive surveillance state and everything we do on the Internet is under the magnifying glass. You know that you don't really have control over your online data. It's being manipulated. It's being packaged, sold to advertisers. You're under surveillance. We all are. But there is a way to have actual privacy with the ultimate privacy and cyber communication tool right in your hands. It's called Secure. It's an instant messaging and email platform hosted in Switzerland, and it protects your data with the strictest privacy laws in the world. Secure, spelled S-E-K-U-R, uses proprietary encryption technology, an independent platform, and Swiss privacy laws to ensure complete privacy and security of your data on desktop and in transit. This is secure and private instant messaging and email. It assures your conversations, messages, and data are kept completely safe and private. Secure does not mine your data and is not subjected to the Cloud Act. Take back your freedom, privacy, and online security with Secure. Just go to this website, S-E-K-U-R, that's secure.com. Use the coupon code BUCK for one week free and 25% off. Be sure and use coupon code BUCK so they know you heard about it here on this podcast. Go to secure.com, promo code BUCK, and regain your privacy. So the area where we we have to be very aware of the left's encroachment and increasingly brazen usage of power is in the uh, prosecutor's office, right? This is something that we're, we're all seeing how it plays out. It's very troubling. And when, you, you know, the Trump organization uh, is now facing charges and the longtime CFO, Alan Weisselberg, uh, has been indicted on tax crimes involving company executives, they say. Weisselberg is turning him into, has turned himself in this morning to District Attorney Cyrus Vance. So they're, they're being charged with tax crimes. Weisselberg is 73 years old. I know we're all going to sleep so much better at night, right? Because this guy's going to prison. It's, it's absolutely obvious partisan targeting. It's, it's completely outrageous. And I mean, Weisselberg started working for the company under Fred Trump back in the 70s. Fred Trump was Donald's dad. And Trump is saying that this is a continuation of the greatest witch hunt of all time. It absolutely is. I mean, they're saying they allege to pay taxes on corporate benefits and perks. This has nothing to do with Stormy Daniel hush money or anything like that. This is they didn't pay taxes on perks. I mean, give me a break. I mean, you know, it's like, oh, 
if if you give out like a fifty dollar gift card to everyone in your office to go to you know go to go to Chi-Chi's or uh, Olive Garden or something, oh, that all those people pay taxes on that. It's just it's such an outrage because it's so obvious what's going on here. They're going after Trump, and they feel like they just can. They feel like they can get away with it. They feel like the Democrats are going to love it, and it doesn't matter that. I mean, does anyone not think this is obvious partisan targeting? Does anyone not think this is a witch hunt? Really? Oh, yeah. They just after all the years that Weiselberg, this guy's been in the organization for basically 50 years. And now they're criminally prosecuting him for tax issues. Come on. Give me a break. Um, and they did this, of course, to, to try to get Trump to flip. I'm sorry, to try to get Weiselberg to flip against Trump. That's what this was all really about. This is now what happens if you and I'm sorry, but this is a, a very troubling message on many levels because it's not just about Trump. This is Democrat statist authoritarian prosecutors doing the bidding of Pelosi and Schumer and the rest. This is them making sure that everybody knows if you stand for the MAGA agenda, if you stand for America first, even when you're no longer in power. We will come after you. We will hound you. We will ruin you. We'll throw you in prison if we can. They have no qualms about this. No problem. In, in fact, they love doing this. I mean, this, this, is, this gets them excited. Democrats are thrilled at the opportunity to settle political scores in this way. So I, I just, I want everyone to know this is the kind of hardball that they play. This is how they do what they do. Um, make sure you continue to tell folks about the Buck Sexton podcast. As you know, we're going with the podcast every day. First thing I'm doing in my, uh, my daily lineup. And as long as people are listening and continue to listen, we're going to keep doing it. I really enjoy it. It's nice to just be totally free to talk to all of you without any uh, interruption or having to think about, about anything else. And, um, producer Mark, how you doing by the way, buddy? I'm doing well. Thank you. Everybody, everyone, I was, you know, they ask, how's producer Mark? They, they worry. I feel like they think that, you know, it's like I'm in charge of taking care of you and they worry that I've, I'm like not feeding you enough or something, you know, like I haven't made you any cookies. I'm like, producer Mark is fine. He's got Mrs. Mark. He's good. Yeah. We finally live together again. So that's fun. That's nice. That must be really nice. How's, how's, uh, how's the strong Island going for you? So I've realized that, uh, everyone on long Island is a terrible driver. So I did not miss that or driving, but uh, I guess I'm happy to be back. What are the things that someone does when driving that drive you the most insane? Like, what, what are your driving pet peeves? Because I've got one where it's just a good thing that I don't have, like, easy access to nuclear weapons because I might, I might just press the button, you know? But what's yours? I would say merging without looking is a thing that people on Long Island do, and nobody uses their blinker. That is one of my biggest pet peeves. Use your blinker, especially when you're changing lanes close to me. Yeah, well, it's a very good way to cause an accident, obviously. So that's one thing. Um, and I would tell you, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but it has happened to me multiple. I'd say I've been in about, I'd say I've been in a half a dozen vehicles in the last year where this has happened. It's usually in either a taxi or an Uber. So, so I'm not driving. Uh, this is in New York City because, yes, people don't have cars in New York City because uh, garages cost $700 a month and the car is super annoying to deal with. But anyway... Um, they, I've had drivers who will tap the brake with their foot at a red light 
so that the car lurches forward a little bit, just just continuously is lurching forward. I don't know. I've never experienced this until recently. It's happened to me though a few times. It's like it's like they're trying to make me car sick. Like I I completely lose my mind. I, I don't know where they get this from. Like who would want to? Why would you want to be in a car that's that's like jumping forward continuously at a red light? That's so odd. Maybe it's just an Uber driver thing. I, I don't know. I, I guess because maybe they've just had so much caffeine or something, and they they can't. So anyway, that's one that drives me. That drives me totally insane. Another one is also people that accelerate into red lights. Like, what is that? Why are you accelerating into a red light? What are you, some kind of savage? It's crazy. I accelerate into a yellow light. Well, of course, trying to save time. But if the light's already red, I'm not saying accelerate even through a red light. That's dangerous, but at least I understand. I'm talking about, oh, I just made a left turn. The light is red. You know, they they, they go really fast and they go to stop at the red light. What are you doing? I don't get it. I get what you mean now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Accelerating into a red light. Like, you stop. But you know you're going to have to stop because there's already cars coming. But you want to go, you want to get to that red light fast. I don't understand that. That drives, that drives me very, very it seems like a waste, like a waste, of, waste gas. of gas. I, I would totally, totally agree with you. I will say one fun thing about Nashville is that everybody's on those stupid little electric scooters, man. Everybody. And they're amazing. Those things are awesome. So you're saying that you're riding around Nashville in an electric scooter? Um, maybe. I can neither con- I can neither confirm nor deny. I really hope there's video of this out there somewhere. And I will say the thing the thing about those electric scooters is there's no way to ride on them and look cool, but there's so much fun when you're riding on it. You know what I mean? It would be like it would be like if you're out there with Mrs. Mark on a tandem bicycle. You know, like a two person bicycle. That's probably fun. Like, you guys would probably have a nice day on that. It's hard to look cool on a tandem bicycle. You probably don't wear a helmet, right? Because there's no helmet that could possibly fit you. No. They don't have the special size helmets here, you know? And I don't have time to, like, get it FedEx to me or whatever. So, yeah, I don't, I don't have, I don't have the, uh, the ability. But I, I do, uh, I will say the food in that, I'm getting a little chubby here in Nashville because the food is, is very good. And uh, that is, when, when you're in a city that you don't live in and you don't know anyone, and you're not with your wife or your girlfriend. I mean, in my case, obviously, girlfriend. Uh, you, I feel like you just end up being like, your only entertainment at night is where am I going to go eat? You know, and you end up going somewhere. And what are you going? You're going to not get the French fries? What are what are we? What are we animals? We're not going to get the French fries? Come on. Have you had some hot chicken yet? No, but people keep telling me about that. Apparently, it's very spicy. So be careful. Yeah, it's probably probably not my gem. I have gone to the same barbecue place like four times. It is so good. If you ever come out here, I'll, I'll give you the, the barbecue hookup. Well, anyway, I wanted you all to hear from Producer Mark. He is doing well. He's good. And, uh, you know, we're going to do uh, – Producer Mark, can we do some roll call tomorrow? Well, I'm going to be on vacation, so Producer Brandon and you can do roll call. Wow. Look at that, folks. I, I even want him to join for the roll call, and he's going on – where are you going? Bethany Beach, Delaware. Oh, nice. Delaware, very underrated beaches. Delaware beaches are beautiful. Exactly. We decided against the Jersey Shore, all the craziness. We decided maybe Delaware would be a little more low-key and just relaxing. All right. Well, you give Mrs. Mark my regards. Tell her you've earned your vacation, but we need you back soon because we got a lot of work to do. I promise I'll be back sometime next week. There we go. Team, that's going to be our show for today. I will be back with you tomorrow, even if Bruce and Mark is leaving us and we're all going to go cry big tears about it. But I'll be with you tomorrow. Please continue to subscribe and pass the buck for the Bucks Exxon podcast. 
This is my passion. I love talking to you all every day and just getting a chance to speak to you. And we're going to start having guests again next week. It's just because I'm in Nashville and we got some some tech challenges, but there'll be guests joining the show and we got all kinds of fun things planned. So until tomorrow, Shields High.